This is Money Stories, Episode 16, The Effect of Student Loan Debts on Vocations, Part 3, with John Flanagan from the Law Beret Society. Hi, and welcome to Money Stories, a podcast where we interview fellow Catholics and Christians so we can all learn from their personal money stories. I'm Caitlin Kano, a wife, mom, financial counselor, and student of all things stewardship. Hi, I'm Diana Rojas. I am a fourth grade math teacher. I'm a children's book author, and I am a young adult parish missionary. How are you today, Caitlin? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. I just finished. I put my book down a second ago, and I'm not sure if you're as much of an avid reader as I am, but usually I'm reading about three books at a time, but the one that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have one like under my pillow. I have one that fits in my purse, so if I'm like on the go, I can read that one real quick. Um, and that's been my first book. It's my favorite book right now. It's actually um, Father Jacques Philippe, which I know we were mentioned him before mm-hmm. he's a uh, the one that i i'm in i'm on the last chapter is interior freedom um it's so amazing so if anyone has not heard of father jock philippe like you have to read all of his books they're super easy super quick reads but are you reading anything interesting right now yeah so actually i'm reading father jock philippe's in i have to look it up in the school of the holy spirit but i'm not as good as you i don't have three books tucked everywhere i just read off my phone wherever i can oh. if i'm sitting at swim lessons or um, you know, wherever else I have Irish stuff, wherever the kids are, I can whip out my phone and read. But he has a beautiful way of linking the Holy Spirit with the human experience. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's all of his books I've like been moved by, honestly. So yeah, good. and every paragraph, it's like, hold on, I need a minute. <laughs> I end up highlighting the whole, I'm like, wait, you can't highlight the whole book. Like, right. <laughs> pick the importance of it. It's all important. It's all so, so good. So that's funny that you're reading him as well. Um, I read articles like crazy just because, I mean, you know me, I'm a financial geek and that's where my brain goes. And um, I got some information today about, uh, was reading an article about a new financial resilience score that's going to be added on to our credit scores, which I just thought was fascinating. And I'm sure that people don't geek out like I do on these things, but if they're listening to this podcast, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I mean, I do, but that's why we're together. Oh gosh. But essentially what it's called is the um, FICO resilience index, and it's going to be added on to our credit score. And you'll have one if you have more than six months of credit history, which if you're over 18 and you have a credit card, you may have that, but it's just something to keep in mind that this is, it's not going to be a score replacer, but essentially it's, going to be a tiebreaker. If they have to decide between loaning to two individuals with the same credit score of 650, this is one more thing they can look at to Mm. decide whether you're credit worthy or not. So it's something to keep in mind. And then something else I was reading was um, as we're going through COVID and financial institutions are realizing that people are being laid off and decreased um, access to cash and whatnot, that credit card companies are dropping people's available credit limit. So something just to, you know, think about and uh, just be aware if you get a letter from your credit card company that they're dropping your limit um, because you never, you want to be careful about knowing not going above that 30% um, uh, available credit limit. There's something that gets flagged to the credit bureaus and at that point they look at you as possibly being over indebted. So if you're around that 30% mark now and they drop your available credit limit in half, you're going to be over that threshold. And I, I do love my my, all my religious books and all the things I try and keep up on. But um, yeah, I think there's some value in also keeping up on those, those little articles that come across about oh, sure. what's going on. Where did on you find that article? Is it online or did you find it? 
Um, I found it a couple different places. I will put the links in the podcast notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it, it was coming up all over. Um, it's something they've, it's called the FICO resilience score. They've been working on it for 10 years. It came up as a need during the 2008 recession. And, um, now as we are possibly entering recession, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, they're implementing it. So it, the scores are going to range from one to 99, the lower, the better. So like with traditional credit scores between um, 300 and 850 is the range and you want to be as high as possible. With your um, FICO resilience index, you want to be as low as possible. Hmm. And it's just going to be an add-on to our scores. We have this theme that we've been working on for a few weeks now. And um, we're talking about the effect of student loan debt on vocations. And um, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we didn't realize until getting into this what a tremendous effect the student loan debts are having on our church and on young folks who are just, you know, they're coming out of college with potentially six figures in debt. And now they hear a calling and they, they feel like they're being called towards an order or towards serving in a diocese and they can't do it because they can't enter the process with this debt load. Um, so it's something that we, we've been looking at and we um, were so blessed to have Ann Follin on last week. Um, and the week before talking about the effect of student loan debt on vocations. And this week we're talking with John Flanagan from the Library Society. And John is the executive director of the Library Society. Um, they are another nonprofit that um, assists those who are uh, in the process of discerning, but they have student loan debts. And they're not able to start the full process yet. John has been with Library for uh, since 2011, and he and his wife have seven children. So I think he's a little bit busy now. Um, but they have an interesting business model. We were so blessed to have them talk about how they structure their program and how they are benefiting the church by addressing this issue of student loan debt and vocations. So welcome, John. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you're here and talking about what the Library Society is doing to help offset the effect of student loans on vocations. It's my understanding that the Library Society operates primarily in the United States. Is that true? Correct. We do really only serve uh, U.S. loans, but where our graduates end up serving is really global. We have people in oh. Guam, in uh, Australia, New Zealand, many places in Europe. So where their communities send them doesn't really matter, but the, the phenomenon is typically U.S. loans that we, we treat. And that's really interesting because I just didn't even think about the fact that the U.S. loans would be affecting vocations internationally as well. So that's, that's really interesting. But can you give us a little bit of history about the Library Society and how it was started and kind of how you arrived at your distinct business model? Because it is unique and, and it's been, um, after discussing with you during our prep session, it seems to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, just how it all kind of came together. So I'm curious if you could give us a little history about the Library Society and then um, tell us a little bit about how it was inspired and how you guys came to your, your business model that you're using now. Thank you. Well, our founder is a personal friend of mine. Uh, this was about seven years before Library was even founded. Uh, he was serving as a consultant for a local rights diocese, and they asked him to meet with a young woman who, just due to circumstances, they needed to, to let go but really cared for, and he was trying to help her find a, a new career path. And in the midst of that conversation, it was shared that, you know, she'd once discerned, and he just said, you know, if you could take care of whatever was blocking you, would you pursue it? And he didn't even finish his sentence and she was responding, you know, in a New York second, you know, I'd love to be a sister. So 
was able to address the issues of the debt and take care of it. And, you know, like a busy husband, father, grandfather, it's like, well, that was neat. Well, life intervened. And seven years later, before uh, the next person came into his life with similar circumstances. And coincidentally, both of those individuals had very large miraculous metal pendants. I mean, not like the type you wear on your neck, but huge kind of flapping off your chest medallions. Um, and so in this process, the second one, similar story. So we gathered up sort of friends and family and were able to take care of her debt. And that's when it struck them that this really seems to be an issue. So they, they sort of get the friends and family together and you get your, your typical accountant, banker, lawyer and start your nonprofit and say, well, let's, let's see what this can do. Uh, they, they did a great job out of his spare bedroom for a number of years. Uh, that was more of a letter writing campaign. It's just send the letters out, hope people give, and you, you do what's, what, whatever money came in is what you could award out. Um, that lasted till about 2010 with changes in the tax code and just the board saying, this is a bigger issue and this method isn't achieving the kind of results that they need. Um, it was at that time that, that I was brought in as a consultant to say, well, what are our options? And, and truth be told, it was a pretty big hairy beast. I had no idea trying to figure out how we could get all these options to work. We reviewed IRS case studies, seeing what could happen. And as we started to see trends, ultimately, it's, I'm, I'm blessed to live across the street from my parish with perpetual adoration. I just sat there and said, okay, Lord, this is your problem. How are you going to fix it? And so the ideas that start to come, and then I, I'm blessed to know a lot of people a lot smarter than I am. And so it's being able to say, here, these are the ideas, shoot it full of holes. So being able to share with Harvard MBAs, CPAs, tax attorneys, and over and over again, we'd get the ideas and they'd show one of the errors that we could fix. So ultimately, you know, they, they stopped being able to shoot holes in it and everything seemed to be viable. Where we now have a process that is completely scalable. It's not only IRS compliant, but we've had it reviewed by Canon lawyers that it, it meets canonical degrees of freedom so that we're, we're Canon law compliant as well. Um, and just from there, it's kind of off to the races. You know, we, we started slow just trying to figure out how do we do this. Um, and to date, we've helped, let's say about 350 people enter religious life that otherwise wouldn't have been there if we weren't able to help them. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of people. That's so awesome that you guys have been able to help so many people. And I'm sure that number is going to continue to grow. Sounds like you guys have a really well-oiled machine as far as how the process works and whatnot. So that's super awesome. Yeah, I was, that was actually going to be my next question was about how many people you guys have helped. And that's a really large number. Um, I'm curious, what, what's the process like if someone, an, an aspirant, like I learned how to say it correctly now, what's the process like for, for someone who wants to apply for, for your help as far as paying off their student, student um, loan debt? Well, we want to keep the threshold as low as possible. And so for us, our requirements are really just twofold. We're, we're talking about formational debt. Either it's the student loans that they had before they entered, or in some cases, a diocese or religious institution may have some difficulty in paying for their formation itself. And so we don't want that formation cost to be an obstacle. So it's only with that. So applying for us, typically I went to college, I got my student loans, check, we can help with that. Parent PLUS loans, we still view those as belonging to the aspirant. Mom and dad co-signed on behalf of the student, but it's still really their, 
that in, that student, that aspirant's debt. So the parent plus loans or the others, that's fine. Um, we don't deal with any, you know, car loans, house loans, anything that's not really formational. And the second component is, is the community or diocese that they're seeking to enter canonically recognized by the church? Hmm. Or we would say, is it listed in the official Catholic directory? We're not in the discernment business. If the church has said, yes, they're legitimate, they've gone through whatever review process, we're golden. And so then after that, it's, we do need to review their loan documents, make sure everything's in order that, that we can actually help, um, you know, that the loans are in their name and not their sister's name or something else. But those really are more the fine details, not the requirements. Um, and from there, it's, you get letters of recommendation from the, you know, the local pastor or, or vocation director. And we're not in the discernment business. We want to make sure that they've walked alongside whatever their institution is long enough that that institution says, yes, we'd like to have, we just can't afford them for whatever reason. And so that way, it's not somebody just trying to pretend to be a priest or sister to get the student loan debt. It really is a, what we would call a, a three-ply cord. It's us, it's the institution, and it's the aspirant. And all of us are in agreement that this is the best way forward. And we're all in agreement that this is a, a, a truer discernment path that they've both decided on. Does that answer your question, Diane? Yeah, it does. Um, I'm also curious, is, let's say, I mean, if someone, me right now, if I wanted to, to find you guys, and what would be the first thing I would have to do? Like, do, is it an application? Do I make a phone call? Do I email someone? Like, what's the first thing I would have to do? To start that process? Most often people just see, find us online. That's actually one of our biggest obstacles is the most of the people we could serve don't even know we exist. Hmm. Uh, are about... 900 religious institutions in the United States, 190 dioceses if you include the Eastern Rites, uh, you know, the Marianites, Byzantine Catholics. Uh, we've only been able to help maybe about 250 to 280 different institutions. And so the vast majority are still even learning about us. So opportunities like this where they hear about us, if you have student loan debt, either as a vocation director, you're turning people away, don't, please let us help. <laughs> if you're listening as a, somebody considering, know that there's options. And so it's just go to the website. We're happy to take a phone call. It, it's really any and all. If you yeah. just, just find out, ping us online or on a phone call, and we're here to help if we can. That's amazing. And we um, last week we had Ann Folan on from the Modern Ecclesiastic Fund for Vocations, and their business model is more of a grant system um, with with their um, aspirants. And I'm wondering if you can explain to us how Library is different, and you have a different um, method for the aspirants to pay off their student loans. So can you explain that method to us? Those are at Modern Ecclesiastic are great people. Mm -hmm. I mean. Really is just a, a different process towards our same goal. Uh, a, I would say a key hallmark to the difference is that we have no debt ceiling. Our model is something that engages the aspirant, so it's not really a, a grant process. From a legal perspective, we work for their sponsoring institution, so one nonprofit serving another to deliver their candidate to them debt free. And in that process, their candidates come and they actually do the work of fundraising. So it's not limited to what we as a small staff can fundraise and do. The more people come to us, the more laborers there are in the vineyard. And so there's a much greater opportunity to raise funds. And so we've helped individuals that have had over $300,000 in student loan debt. It's the, 
it brings great joy to be able to talk to those candidates wanting to, to get our help to say it's not a question of if, it's when you enter. Doesn't matter how much debt you have, we can help you. And so I, I've been on phone calls where they just start crying because the, everybody's turned me down. They say, I, I have too much, I can't do this. Or I'm gonna age out by the time I pay it off just under my own volition. It's like, well, no, we can help with that. That's amazing. What I find most amazing is how the Holy Spirit inspired two different business models with the same goal of bringing in more vocations and helping offset this problem. What a beautiful you know, testimony to different people perceiving this problem. And they were just inspired in different ways to, to solve the same problems. So I just think that's a beautiful testimony to how the spirit works. If anything, I think it confirms the spirit working, you know, and if you got two people doing the same thing in a completely different way, you know that God was saying, hey, there's a problem and I'm going to send you guys to, to help work on it. And that, that's one thing that I, I greatly appreciate. I'm totally biased, I admit it, about the library model is that it engages people in true relationships. It's never, we don't do handouts. Our process is one of evangelization and an invitation so that they go out, they invite people in. Here's my story. God's calling me to be a priest, a sister, a brother, but I'm stuck. I need help to be able to take that step and enter the monastery, enter the, the seminary. Can you help me? And it's really something where it's inviting them to say, this is a part of my vocation. Will you join me in it? That really bonds lifelong relationships. We started our, our July training just a few days ago, and we had some alumni there and just out of curiosity, in front of all the newbies, I said, guys, if you took the money out of the equation, just based on the relationships that you have now with the hundreds of people that you didn't before you started laborate, would you do all that work over again if you had no financial benefit? Mm. But one, they all said, yeah. It's just those relationships meant that much to them because they knew that here's a network of people that are praying for them, that are in their corner. And so it's, it's a beautiful Catholic response, and that's the universal. It's all of us together to make this happen. I loved when we spoke last time, the explanation you gave to us about it being a cohort of young adults or of people who are aspiring to enter religious life and how they work together. So like if I'm fundraising, it's not just for me, it's also helping you. Can you explain that for our listeners a little bit? Because I love the way you said that last time. That just was so inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. Well, part of it is based on just sort of the, the tax law. You can't ask for a gift and have you receive it individually and have it be tax deductible. So we, we built it to be IRS compliant so that everybody's fundraising collectively, but really from the Catholic ethos, it's kind of the old army model of you leave no person behind. You know, as part of their training, they look in, it was kind of odd in that this training was virtual due to COVID, but they're looking each small face on the screen, looking them in the eye and saying, I'm committed to seeing you enter into formation that it's not a it's not a me it's a we and that we're in it together it just happens to be that we need that process to be collective to be irs compliant but it really speaks to the heart of those who want to give their life away many of the aspirants struggle if they had to ask for me they're they're not wired to say i need help they're wired to give but they can ask for everybody else and so they're actually more successful because there's that collaborative effort I love that. So inspiring. Yeah. And that reminds me of, um, I was telling you earlier, John, my husband's in the military and they need that collaboration because you do 
those long hours you put in is not for you. It's for your battle buddy, right? So this essentially they have battle buddies going through this process um, with them. So I just think that's so neat. And when we're talking about fundraising, um, just correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's a process where someone's really exposed to um, humility and gratitude at the same time. And I mean, what a great way to help them grow their faith prior to um, entering whatever order they're going to enter and, and you know, uh, pursuing their vocation. So how do you think this process and the uniqueness of it affects them moving forward once they're ordained? Well, I'd, I'd offer that from the perspective of the vocation directors we've served. We've had many of them ask us, could we send people who don't have debt to you? Because they see the, the actual transformation in them on a human level, that, that mm -hmm. human formation of just being able to, to speak to people that they've never known in a way that is relational, is really evangelistic. Um, it, it does change them. One of the diocesan vocation directors has shared that Labore does a, a process of human formation that every seminarian needs, but no seminary teaches. I mean, when you think of them as priests, they're, they're going to need a new roof. They're going to need a new driveway or whatever it may be. And how many times have we gone in where it's Stewardship Sunday and God love the pastor and our, no disrespect. Well, it's that time of the year, guys. Sorry, bring out the checkbooks. We got to talk about this. And you just see everybody start to cringe in their seat. But if you see it, of, no, this is what we get to do. When we put our resources at God's disposal, you can lead with a vision instead of a have to do, it's a get to do. And it, it, it really is transformative of the individual, not just the person doing the invitation, but the people receiving is that you're actually inspired to do something different. And what happens is just really, it's, it's miracles that happen. I mean, we, the last class, even with COVID fully enforced, so they're doing all their meetings just like this. 19 individuals raised $516,000 in six months, where everybody else, oh. nonprofits are closing down, this isn't going to work. Even diocese, yeah. their parish collections are down 60-80%. People still want to help. And so when you engage it at a personal level, you know, it's it still makes an impact. You know, so we were able, our our success is typically about half each class moves on. Not because the rest of the half weren't successful. It's just they've got a boatload of debt and need more than one six-month class to, to accommodate it. It makes me think if there was, if there's someone in Miami that came up to me and was like, I want to be a religious and like, I would love to be able to be like, okay, let me, how can I help you? Like, what can I do to help you? So I'm hoping someone down here runs into me and asks me to help them because <laughs> now I know when I can help them. But let's say that ready. doesn't happen. Let's say that I never run into someone that's asking me for help. Like, what can someone like me right now, how can I help? How, what can someone listening do to help, help the, the society, help the, the aspirants? What, what is like an option for us if no one comes and asks me, hey, I'm entering religious, you wanna help me out? Like what's the next best option that we can do for, to help out? First off is just awareness and please do pray for us. I mean, there's this great opportunity that, that's springing forth that we see the need for us to grow exponentially just to meet the need of the people saying, I want help, but when you have trillions of dollars in student loan debt, it's a big beast nationally. So there's one, help us grow so that we can, you know, put more laborers in the vineyard, or it's just being able to 
just go to go to our website, you know, rescuevocations.org, and you can see their stories, be inspired, and say, yeah, here's a whole new generation of priests, sisters, and brothers, and what's the story that inspires you? Make a gift in their honor. It's all going to go towards the class, but you can say, I, I, I like this Dominican. I like that diocesan story. I like, you know, fill in the blank. Our, our purview is kind of every habit, non-habit, you know, clerics, non. If you're in the Catholic directory, we're here to serve. Um, and they're really, I call each one of them a miracle. The fact that they are discerning the way they are in this day and age is, is truly miraculous. So you just get to kind of go to your catalog of miracles and say, who's the one that I want to help? And so please just go explore, learn about Lombardy and see how you can get involved. And the biggest thing is help us grow because the need is great and spread the word so that I, I pray there's a day when no community turns somebody away or diocese simply because they went to school and have student loan debt. We want educated priests, sisters and brothers. They didn't do anything wrong. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share with us before we let you go today? We just appreciate your time. Oh, this, this is a huge opportunity. Again, it, when people want to get involved, they can go to the website, they can call. If there's any message for anybody listening, please don't, God doesn't run out of money. If there's a call, answer, there's going to be a way to overcome it. And the, the fact that Labore really is an opportunity that is bathed in gratitude and exercised in prayer. Everything that we do has a Catholic ethos. It's God really is kind of our closer, so to speak. And it's being able to foster a deeper trust by those coming through that, no, God will provide, but I just need to ask. You know, it's kind of like the Beatitudes, knock and you shall, the door shall be open, ask and you shall receive. That's all that we're doing. And so it's just being able to help open people's eyes to a different reality. And for those that may say, well, I got my own student loans or have my own kids with student loan debt. I got to pay for them. Why should I pay for these people? Hmm. Would humbly submit, these people are going to take a vow of poverty. These people are going to be making a pittance and giving their life over to serve all of us. That's something worth investing in, in my humble opinion. So thank you. Thank you, John. You have a good day. We really appreciate you giving us some time. God bless you guys. Thank you. God bless you. For more information about Compass Catholic Ministries, including the various Bible studies and services that we offer, please visit compasscatholic.org. If you enjoy Money Stories, please share it with a friend. You may also like Compass Catholic's other podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way, available wherever you get your podcast. If you have any comments about today's show or suggestions for future shows, please email us at info at compasscatholic.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.